everybody, and welcome to Inside Scott, a podcast of the Independent Herald. I am Independent Herald publisher Ben Garrett. Thank you so very much for joining us. And uh, this is the first one of these that we have done, obviously, if you're wondering what in the heck is this, you haven't missed anything, this is the first one. We're going to do it more regularly now, though, as we, as we get into it. It's something that we've been talking about doing for some time since well before this coronavirus thing came about. Um, but now is the perfect time. I mean, there's no better time than this to start it because there are a lot of people who want to know what's going on, not only in our community, but also what's going on in the world around us and how it ties in to our community. So we'll start doing this more regular, maybe two, three times a week as we go along, even well after this coronavirus thing has died down and gone away, which is hopefully going to be very soon. And um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on in our community besides just coronavirus, right? But, but like I said, it's going to be done more professionally than this, and I've already got some of those things in the works. Unfortunately, you'll still have to listen to me. That part of it doesn't change. I can't. If I could change that, I would, but I can't. Uh, but it will be done. The production side of things will be done more more for professionally, and then as far as content, we'll bring on some guests as we go along, and that sort of thing. But for now, this is kind of what it is because I wanted to to, to start providing some updates. Uh, that's more than just words written on a page. And you know, newspapers traditionally have been nothing more than words written on a printed page. Obviously, as we've gone along, now it's words that are written on the digital screen. And it's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to evolve. There are, are a lot of different ways to provide information and to put information out there. And we're trying to take advantage of some of those things. We'll continue to try to take advantage of some of those things because the world has evolved and the way people consume information has, has evolved and it's going to continue to evolve. And that's exciting for me. I mean, I love the written word. Don't get me wrong. Been in this a long time, but I'm not that old yet. And so, you know, like anybody else my age or younger, I love the technological side of things. And so this gives us the opportunity to play around with some of that and to take advantage of some of that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, but we'll jump into it. And, and obviously, what's on everybody's mind right now, what everybody is talking about, not just in Scott County, not just in Tennessee, not just across the United States, but around the globe, obviously, is coronavirus. The outbreak is still growing. It's still growing exponentially at least here in Tennessee. And, and I think without looking at the numbers from today, I think the exponential growth, I think it's probably safe to say, is continuing across much of the United States as a whole. Hopefully New York is getting close to their peak in this. I think it's probably safe to say that Washington State, maybe even California, that they're getting close to their peak as well. The outbreaks have been going on there for much longer than they have here in Tennessee. But in Tennessee, and especially in Scott County, we're just getting started. There is a a model out there that the Trump administration, without explicitly coming out and saying so, the Trump administration seems to be leaning on a new model from the University of Washington. That model suggests that this outbreak is going to peak in the United States around April 15th. So that's two weeks from today. But in Tennessee, it suggests or, or predicts that this is going to peak around April the 26th. And I've heard some doctors in Tennessee that have spoken to this, and they've said the same thing. They think the peak in Tennessee will come probably seven to 10 days after it peaks nationally. We're a little bit behind. So this is going to be with us for the next three or four weeks at least. And obviously, once you get to the peak, it's not like you're going to peak one day and the next day, everything's going to start to decline and go back to normal. So it's not going to work that way. You're going to get to the peak, you're going to stay at the peak, and then you're slowly, much more slowly than probably any of us would like, you're going to start to decline after that. And then at some point, at some point, life can get back to normal. Obviously, as of right now, the social distancing guidelines are in place through the end of April. 
it will be great to think that the first of May that we can get back to normal, that folks can start going back to school, that folks can start going back to work. If they are off work, churches can reopen, businesses can, can reopen. That would be fantastic. But I think that is a, it, it's a best-case scenario, obviously, but I think probably, probably above and beyond that is probably also a pipe dream. I don't think that there is anybody out there who has thought this through who realistically thinks that we can get back to normal by the 1st of May, unless, I don't want to use the word a miracle, but I don't know any other word to use. If, they, if, we, if we have a miracle, maybe, maybe, some way this thing can be back to normal by early May. So let's hope, I mean, we'll hope, we'll pray for the best, but probably we need to, to, to just prepare ourselves mentally to be in this thing until at least early summer, maybe the middle of summer. It's going to be a long haul. And I think that if you listen to the, the, the daily briefings from, from the White House and from President Trump, he has struck a much different tone the last couple of days. It really started on Sunday, but then his briefing again on Tuesday, that was as somber and as realistic probably as I've heard President Trump so far. And I think he's making it obvious to all of us that this is going to go on for a while. So it's not going to end anytime soon. And it's not going to be next week or the week after that. It's going on for some time. So with that said, if you look at the way that the numbers are growing in Tennessee right now, Tennessee has got over 2,200 people who have now tested positive for the coronavirus. That was as of yesterday. That's going to go up. That's going to go up to over probably 2,500 today when the new numbers come out from the Tennessee Department of Health. 23 people have died. Now, that's not a, a huge number, obviously, but it's gone up quite a bit. It's gone up 400% almost since Saturday. So in the span of about 72 hours, the number of fatalities in Tennessee related to coronavirus has gone from 6 to 23. So that's a pretty big jump. When you look at the overall number, you say, well, it's not that much. But when you look at the increase and you look at percentages, that's a pretty substantial jump. So it's getting real in Tennessee. Not that it wasn't already real, but the numbers, you know, because we're a numbers-driven society, and we can visualize things a lot better when we get the data to look at. The numbers show now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you didn't think it was real before, now it's getting real in Tennessee. But let's talk about those numbers. We've already got a story up on, uh, on IHONIDA.com that we put up last night that, that kind of delves into this a little bit. But Governor Bill Lee, on Monday, when he was announcing the new executive orders that he had signed, which put into place a safer-at-home policy for Tennessee residents, which basically requests that you stay at home if you don't have to be out and about, uh, and also an order that uh, requires some non-essential businesses to close. Now, both of those orders are pretty toothless overall. They don't do a whole lot to combat the virus outbreak in Tennessee. They don't do a whole lot to inconvenience us any more than we already were. But there was a lot of pressure on the governor to do something, and so that was his response to that, and was those two executive orders. But as he announced those on Monday, and as he had his press briefing, one of the comments that he said that kind of stood out, he said there is a reason that, that Tennessee's outbreak is worse or looks worse than a lot of the other states around us, and that is because Tennessee is testing more people per capita than those other states are. And I got to tell you, 
I suspected that was probably true. Even before the governor said that, I suspected it was probably true. But just him coming out and saying that, that made me want to look at the data. Maybe a little bit closer than we have been so far here in Tennessee. And I say we, I'm talking about the, the media in general, but I, I mean, it would be awfully presumptive of me to try to speak for everybody. I can only speak for, for myself and for my organization, which is the Independent Herald, obviously, in little Oneida on, in Scott County on the Cumberland Plateau. I can't speak for the Tennessee and the Nosfa News Sentinel and, and all the other newspapers out there who are doing a great job of covering this thing. But speaking for ourselves, I thought it would be great to take a little bit of a, a little bit of a deeper look at the data, and and, and just just see if the governor's claims that he's making about why Tennessee's outbreak is as bad as it is, see if they really hold up to the the data. Because here's the thing: if you look at the total number of cases, and I, and I'm for this comparison, I excluded most of the United States. I looked at just the Southeast. I wanted to look at the states bordering Tennessee. And if you're going to do that, you might as well throw in the rest of the Southeast as well. So I'm looking at 12 states across the Southeast, Florida, Louisiana, Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Missouri, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Kentucky. Those are the 12 states that we looked at. And if you look at the overall number of coronavirus cases in the Southeast, now there are three, three states in the South that have been hit tremendously hard with this thing. First and foremost is Louisiana. A lot of people think that the coronavirus is bad in Louisiana because of the Mardi Gras festival, which was back in late February before this thing really got started in the United States. But a lot of people think that that really fueled the outbreak in Louisiana. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but what I know is that there have been a lot of people who have died in Louisiana. Uh, when you compare Louisiana to the rest of the nation and the people who have died there, there have been a lot of people who have died in Louisiana. But it's not just Louisiana. Georgia has had a hard time with this. They've had a, a number of fatalities. Florida has had a hard time with this as well. Those three states are at the top of the list. There were, as then, this data is as of Tuesday afternoon. There were 6,338 cases in Florida. There were 5,237 5, in Louisiana. And there were 3,929 in Georgia. So those were the three hardest hit states in the South. And then right behind those three, you've got Tennessee with 2,239 cases. So when you look at it, it really looks like that Tennessee has been hit extraordinarily hard. And why is that important? Well, it's important because the perception is that Tennessee has not done enough to combat this. You know, Tennessee has done most of the same things that the other states, not only in the South, but across the country have done as far as, as closing schools and, and closing churches and closing some non-essential businesses and asking people to stay at home and doing all these different things. Tennessee has not put a shelter-in-place policy in. Some states have. Florida just today did that, but some of the other states did it earlier. New York has done it. California has done it. Some of the other states have done that. Tennessee, though, has done the rest of the stuff that the other states have done. There's nothing, for example, that Kentucky has done that Tennessee has not done, but the thing is, Tennessee's response has come a little bit later, usually by several days, later than those other states. So the perception is that Tennessee has not done enough to combat the coronavirus. And so then when you look and you see that there's 2,239 cases of coronavirus in Tennessee, and that's the fourth most in the South, then that gives you a, a really big window to criticize the leadership in Tennessee and say, guys, you dropped the ball on this. You completely dropped the ball. And I'm not saying they didn't drop the ball, because I think it's fair to really examine 
everything that has been done, not just in Tennessee, but in every state, and not just examine it, but examine it with a healthy dose of, of skepticism. Have our leaders done the right thing at the local level, at the state level, and at the federal level? So that, I, I'm not trying to say for him, I'm not going to sit here and offer a defense of Tennessee Governor Bill Lee. That's not my job. He's got people that he pays who can do that for him. He can do it himself. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I think, it, I think it's fair to look at the data. So when I look at Tennessee's cases, 2,239 cases, that's the fourth most in the South behind Florida, Louisiana, and Georgia. That's not really a fair, that's not really a fair comparison because Florida has got a lot more people than Tennessee, so they should have more coronavirus cases. Tennessee's got a lot more people than some of the other states in the South, in Mississippi, for example. So Tennessee should have a lot more than Mississippi. So I wanted to look at it on a case by a case per capita basis. And that's something that the news media in general, and I said a minute ago, I cannot speak and don't want to speak for the other news organizations, the other newspapers out there. But I can tell you, first and foremost, what everybody is looking at, when you're seeing the numbers thrown out there, a lot of times what's being thrown out there is the total number of cases. We're not looking at this thing on a case per capita basis. So just taking, again, those same 12 states in the South and not paying attention to the rest of the nation. I took them and broke them down on a case per capita basis. And then the numbers look a little, a little bit worse even for Tennessee because Tennessee then ranks third in the South. There have been 33 cases per 100,000 people in Tennessee so far. Obviously, that number is only going to go up and up and up. 33 cases per 100,000 people, 32.9 if you want to be exact. That is behind Georgia at number two with 37 cases per 100,000 people, 37.1. And then number one is Louisiana, which I mentioned a minute ago, Louisiana has been hammered by this thing, whether it was Mardi Gras, whatever it might have been. Louisiana has absolutely taken it on the chin so far. Louisiana has had 114 cases per 100,000 people. So their infection rate in Louisiana is almost four times as high as the infection rate in Tennessee. So that's substantial. Louisiana is an outlier, certainly at the top of the list. But then you got Georgia, then you got Tennessee at 33 cases per 100,000 people. So this virus has really grown. And you think back to just a couple of weeks ago when the first case was reported. It's actually been almost three weeks now. The first case was reported in, in Williamson County. And then it went to, to Davidson County in Nashville. But still, it was limited to that small geographic area. And now it's just exploded. Obviously, there are hundreds of cases in Nashville. There are hundreds of cases in Memphis. There are hundreds of cases in the outlying suburban areas around Nashville, like in Sumner County, which is where Portland is at and where Gallatin is at. And, and then in, also in Williamson County, where Franklin is at. And then you skip over, to, uh, skip over to Rutherford County, which is where Murfreesboro is at. Their caseload is really starting to expand by a lot as well. But now we're also starting to see this thing take off in Knoxville. Knoxville, as of yesterday, had 66 cases. That doesn't sound like a lot, especially in relation to Nashville, but when you look back to where they were at just a few days ago, 66 cases is quite a bit. So this is starting to grow rapidly in Knoxville, and obviously that's the tipping point for us here. We don't have a lot of daily traffic back and forth between Tennessee and Nashville, but we've got a lot of traffic back and forth every single day from from uh, from Scott County to, to Knoxville. I think I sent a minute ago Tennessee to Nashville. I meant Scott County to Nashville. Not a lot of traffic between Scott County and Nashville, but there's a lot of traffic between Scott County and Knoxville. So as Knoxville's cases grow, Scott County's cases are going to grow. I mean, it, it is what it is. And we've already seen 10 in Anderson County 
There are quite a few in Blount County as well. I think there's more than a dozen so far in Blount County. So it's starting to expand out just a little bit from Knoxville. And it's going to continue to do so. We had our third case in Scott County reported this morning. That, that number is going to go up. I, and I don't know if we're going to see number four tomorrow or number four the next day. So far in Scott County, we've been seeing a case per week. Okay, we saw the, the, we saw the third case today. We saw the second case last Friday. And we saw the first case the Friday before that. At some point, though, we're going to start to see new numbers coming in at least every couple of days. And then we're going to start to see multiple people, that multiple new infections reported in a single day. These are the things that we're going to start to see here in Scott County. So my point is, we've already seen this outbreak in Tennessee. We're the third highest infection rate in the southeast per capita right now. And um, I, can, I can foresee us surpassing Georgia because Georgia's outbreak is a lot more mature than ours is. And what I mean by that, this thing started in Georgia well before it started in Tennessee. And Tennessee's only about four people per 100,000 in four cases per 100,000 people behind Georgia right now. So I can foresee us getting ahead of Georgia very soon. So with all that said, here says Tennessee, 33 cases per 100,000 people. And it looks pretty bad when you look at it like that. But Governor Lee's point is that Tennessee is, the, the numbers are higher in Tennessee than in some of the other states in the South because Tennessee's simply testing more people. So I wanted to look at that. And uh, according to the Tennessee Department of Health, Tennessee so far has tested, and this, again, all the numbers I'm using are as of Tuesday afternoon. The Tennessee Department of Health, as of, Tennessee, as of Tuesday afternoon, had tested 27,000-plus in Tennessee. 27,360 people have been tested. That is about one test for every 249 people in Tennessee. And about 8% of the tests in Tennessee are returning positive. I look first at the other states that were hardest hit. Florida, they've tested 60,623 people. But Florida has got a lot more people than Tennessee. That's about one test for every 351 people in Florida. And about 10.5% of the cases there, uh, of the tests there are returning positive. Georgia's tested 16,181. That's only one test for every 649 people in Georgia. And about 24% of their tests are returning positive. And, I, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Louisiana has tested 38,967, and they're returning a positive, or they are testing about one person for every 121 people right now, which is better than Tennessee, uh, but about 13% of those tests are returning positive, uh, returning positive. So based on that, based on those numbers alone, Tennessee's testing all of a sudden looks pretty good. And I know we think that there are still not a lot of people being tested in Tennessee, 27,000. I think the numbers are now 40 in Scott County. At least as of yesterday, there have been 40 people tested in Scott County out of 22,000. That's not a lot, and it's not enough. Okay, let's go ahead and say that. Tennessee is not testing enough people. The United States is not testing enough people. But when you look at how many is being tested in Tennessee compared to the other states around us, I went ahead and looked at the other states. I went ahead and looked at, you know, I looked at Georgia, Florida, and Louisiana first because those states were so hard hit. And then I went and I looked at the rest of the states. Alabama, they're testing one in 673. Arkansas, they're testing one in 463. Kentucky's testing 100, uh, one out of 661. Mississippi is testing one out of 671. 
Missouri is testing one out of 383. North Carolina is testing one out of 454. South Carolina is testing one out of 895. Only a little more than one out of 1,000 people being tested in South Carolina. That, by the way, is by far the lowest rate in the entire Southeast. Virginia is testing one out of 634. So when you look at it like that, Tennessee has tested per capita. Tennessee has tested more people than anybody else in the South, with the exception of Louisiana. And it's not even close. And Louisiana is not even close to Tennessee, but then Tennessee is not even close to the rest of the South. Or, or I, I've got that backwards. The rest of the South is not even close to Tennessee. Louisiana has tested one out of every 121 people in that state. Tennessee is one out of every 249. So per capita, Tennessee has tested less than half of what Louisiana has tested. But the next closest to Tennessee is Florida, and they're testing one out of every 351. So it's not even close. And everybody else, obviously, they trail Florida. So when, when Governor Lee says that Tennessee is testing more people per capita, he's right. Tennessee is testing, just in the southeast, Tennessee's testing more people per capita than just about anybody else. But you, I don't think you stop there. I don't think you stop the comparisons at that point. I want to know, first and foremost, how many people are testing positive? Because if you're making the, if you're making the case that your outbreak looks worse than everybody else's or just about everybody else's because of how many people you're testing, well, the first thing you got to do is how many of those tests are returning positive? Because if you're out there testing a lot of people that are asymptomatic or that have minor symptoms, then you're going to get a lot fewer positive tests in theory than states where only the most severe cases are being tested. And so when you look at that, Tennessee, I told you a minute ago, 8% of the tests in Tennessee so far have been positive. 2,239 out of 27,360 have been positive in Tennessee, 8%. You look up and down the list of the states in the southeast, Arkansas is also returning 8% positive, even though they're testing only about half of the people per capita that Tennessee is testing. Missouri is 8% positive. They're testing a lot fewer than Tennessee as well. And then beating Tennessee, you've got Kentucky. They've got 7% of their tests returning positive, but they're only testing about one-third of the people per capita that Tennessee is testing. And then you got North Carolina, which is testing roughly half of the people per capita that Tennessee is testing, and they're returning 6% positive so far. So there again, it looks like that the numbers line up with what Governor Lee is saying, and the, the outbreak in Tennessee is, is appearing at first glance worse than it really is because of the number of tests that Tennessee is conducting. But again... I don't think you can stop there. So, and here's my thinking on this. And listen, keep in mind, I'm a journalist, okay? I'm a writer. I'm not a doctor, but I've talked to a lot of doctors since this started. And my theory is that, let me back up, okay? Let's, let's point this out first and foremost. You can look at those numbers that I'll give you so far, and you know that there are some states in the South that are simply not testing enough people. Um, specifically, you've got Mississippi, you've got South Carolina, and you've got Alabama. Those three states are testing fewer people than anybody else in the region. South Carolina, I told you a moment ago, they are far and away the lowest 
in the southeast. They are testing one in 895 people. Alabama is testing one in 673. Mississippi is testing one in 671. So none of those three states are testing a lot of people. Here's the thing. They also have the highest percentage of positive test results in the region, with the exception of Georgia, which I would also argue is not testing enough people simply because of the way that the the, the outbreak has occurred there. 19%. I told you Tennessee is returning 8% of their tests positive. 19% of the tests in in South Carolina are returning positive. 13% of the tests in Alabama are returning positive, and 21% of the tests in Mississippi are positive so far. The only other state that is higher than those three in the South is Georgia, where it's incredible. 24% of Georgia's tests are returning positive. That's one in four. So here's why that matters. You've got every other state in the South, with the exception of Georgia and Louisiana, and we know that those two states have had it rough so far. They're outliers. Every other state in the South is seeing somewhere between 7% to 9% of their tests returning positive. And here you've got Mississippi. Now, when you look at the raw numbers, Mississippi ranks towards the bottom of the list in the nation in total number of infections. They're sitting there as of Tuesday afternoon on fewer than 900 confirmed cases. So if you're just looking at this thing and you're not looking at population, you're not looking at anything else, you can say, well, gee whiz. Let's go, to, let's go to Mississippi because there's not many people there who are sick. Fewer than 900 confirmed cases of coronavirus in Mississippi as of Tuesday afternoon. But one out of five of its tests are returning positive. So if Mississippi's sitting there, they've got 900 confirmed cases, but they are testing fewer people than just about anybody else in the South. And 20% of those things are returning positive, which is double the rate of most other states in the South. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to sit here and and draw the conclusion that, you know what, Mississippi needs to test more people than they're testing. Because I guarantee you this, when you look at that data, there are far more infections in Mississippi right now than 900. I guarantee you there are more infections in Mississippi than 900. So as a general rule, I think you can, and this is where I was headed a minute ago, as a general rule, I think you can look at this and you can say, you're going to get more positive results if you're testing more people because you're going to catch these people who are asymptomatic or who have mild symptoms. You know, if they're coming into the clinic with cold-like symptoms and they're getting, and they're getting the coronavirus test um, and you're catching those, then it stands to reason that that's going to show up in the death, in the death rate. If, if, States with a higher number of infections, because they're testing more people, there's only one way that happens, and that is because they're catching the milder cases as well as severe cases, as the severe cases. So if we assume the opposite of that, that the state with a lower number of infections because they're, ca- they're testing fewer people, then we have to assume that they're only testing the people who have the more serious cases, the more severe cases. Therefore, and again, this, this is just a theory, the states that are testing the most people and that are getting more people testing positive with only mild symptoms or no symptoms at all, they should have a lower death rate than those states with fewer positive results because in those states with fewer positive results, again, they're getting more of the severe cases and less of the mild cases that are showing up in their positives list. Does that make sense? Uh, that's, that's hard to explain. But 
the, the bottom line to all of that is that there should be a, a smaller percentage of deaths in Tennessee than there are in some of these other states if Governor Lee is correct that the outbreak only looks worse here than it is because of the amount of testing that Tennessee is doing. So that's the last thing that I did. I wanted to break those numbers down, break those death rates down for each state. And again, just taking the 12 states in the South, not looking at the rest of the United States. And when I say death rate, keep in mind, this is not a scientific death rate. This is a calculation of the number of deaths versus the number of confirmed cases of the virus. That is a de- Technically, that's a death rate. Okay, but I'm, I'm just saying that if you were looking at this from a scientific point of view and you want to establish a death rate, the first thing you'd want to know is how many overall cases you've got. And we don't know that because even in Tennessee, there have, we know that there are a lot of people who carry this disease who are infected that don't show symptoms. And we don't know exactly what that percentage is. But just based on the research that's been done so far, we know that there are a lot of people who are positive and passing this disease around who are never sick or who are very mildly sick. So there's no way that we can look at this and say that there are exactly this number of people who are sick in Tennessee. Even though Tennessee's testing more than just about anybody else in the South, Tennessee is still not testing enough. There's, there's just not enough supplies available. So I just want to throw that disclaimer out there. When I say death rate, this is not what I would consider to be a scientific death rate. It's a calculation of the, the number of deaths against the number of cases that we know that are out there. And, and I think, by the way, the same thing could be said for the flu. It's hard to put a scientific death rate on the flu. You've heard the number 0.1% thrown around a lot as the death rate for the flu, for seasonal flu, and I think that's probably fairly accurate. But if you look at the numbers from the CDC this year, the death rate from seasonal flu is more like 0.05%. It's about half of what it usually is. But the thing is, there's no way to get a scientific death rate from the flu because so many people have the flu and are never tested. And so we don't know exactly how many cases of the flu there is every year. That's why when you look at the, at the numbers from the CDC or from the World Health Organization, they throw out a pretty broad range of numbers and say that it's somewhere between this number and that number. They don't give you a specific number because they just don't know. All right, so with that said... When you run the numbers of how many confirmed cases each state has got versus the number of deaths that have occurred in those states, Louisiana, again, is far and away the top in the southeast. And I told you, they've, they're an outlier. 4.6% is the death rate in Louisiana. And next, you've got Georgia, which has also been pretty hard hit. They're at 2.8%. They're number two in the southeast. Now, I knew those two were going to be outliers before I even ran those numbers. I knew those two were going to be at the top. What's interesting is you look at the two after that, and those are Kentucky at 2.3% and Virginia at 2.2%. Now, you go back to Friday when uh, Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear said that uh, he would advise people in Kentucky not to travel to Tennessee, and he didn't just leave it at that. He, he could have said, just don't travel outside of Kentucky, which he did. On Monday, he issued an executive order saying no travel outside of, of Kentucky with a few exceptions. But on Friday, he pointed out Tennessee specifically, and he said that Tennessee's not doing enough to protect their citizens from the coronavirus. And obviously there was some pushback over that and, and I brought it up as did a lot of other people. And one of the things that, that everybody pointed out was, you know what, Kentucky, they're sitting up there and they're talking about how their caseload is not what the states are around them, but they're just not testing very many people for this thing. And again, go back to what I said a minute ago, it stands to reason that if you're testing fewer people, you're only catching the more severe cases and therefore that's going to be reflected in your death rate. And that is the case with Kentucky. They're sitting there at 2.3%. They've got the third highest death rate 
in the southeast, and I would suggest, knowing that they're only testing about one-third of the people per capita that Tennessee is testing, I would suggest that if Kentucky were testing the same number of people per capita as Tennessee is testing, based on their death rate, they're probably going to have close to the same infection rate that Tennessee has got. They may not have as many overall cases as Tennessee has because Tennessee's got a lot more population than Kentucky does, but the numbers are going to be similar. And then, by the way, Kentucky's death rate would also go down. So that's my theory with Kentucky. So you got Kentucky and Virginia, Virginia sitting there, and Virginia, just like Kentucky, they're not testing a lot of people. So they're sitting there behind Louisiana and Georgia. All four of those states have got death rates above 2%. The only two other states in the South with death rates above 2% right now are Mississippi and South Carolina. They're at 2.1 and 2.0, respectively. And we've already established that those two states are not doing enough to test the number of people that are sick in their state, especially Mississippi. I told you there's more than 900 cases of coronavirus in Mississippi. And here they sit with a 2.1% death rate, which is above the average in the South. And if they're testing more people and they've got more confirmed cases coming back, that death rate's going to go down. So I think the death rate in Mississippi is artificially high. I think the death rate in Kentucky is artificially high. I don't think that there are really that many people in relation to the people who have the virus who are dying, but I think it's because there are more cases out there than either one of those states realize because they've not tested enough people. All right, so then once you get below those states, you've got Arkansas at 1.5%, you've got Alabama at 1.3%, you've got Florida at 1.2%, you've got Missouri at 1.1%, and then you get Tennessee at 1% even. The only state lower than Tennessee, the only state in the southeast with a lower death rate than Tennessee is North Carolina at 0.5%. And let's just say across the board, North Carolina's numbers indicate that the, the virus outbreak is not that bad in North Carolina. Whether they are, whether they've just gotten lucky or they've, the citizens there have really taken this social distancing thing to heart and they're doing it the right way, for whatever reason, the virus outbreak is not very bad in North Carolina so far, but we're focused on Tennessee, and here sits Tennessee, 11th out of 12 states in the South in terms of death rate. 1% of the confirmed coronavirus cases in Tennessee so far have ended in death, and again, my theory was that if you're testing a high number of people and you're catching those mild cases or those asymptomatic cases, in addition to the serious cases, you're going to have a lower death rate. And so I think when you look at the fact that Tennessee's death rate is 1%, I think that absolutely backs up what Governor Bill Lee has been saying. Tennessee's outbreak is worse. It looks worse on paper than it actually is in relation to the other states around us because Tennessee has been testing more people. Now, there's a disclaimer. You've got to throw a disclaimer on that because Tennessee's death rate on Sunday, three days ago, was 0.5%. It was right where North Carolina's is. In two days, between, between Sunday and Tuesday, Tennessee's death rate doubled from 0.5% to 1% because the Department of Health went from reporting seven fatalities on Sunday to reporting 23 fatalities on Tuesday. And so if that trend continues, and the numbers are going to come out, they're probably already out for today. If that trend continues, then Tennessee's death rate is going to continue to climb, and it's no longer going to be at the bottom of the list in the South. But as of right now, Tennessee's death rate is at the bottom of the list, and I think that that is probably an indicator that the what we're looking at on paper and we're saying Tennessee has got the, one of the worst outbreaks in the South, I don't think it's necessarily that high. 
Now, I'm not using that as, a, as, as a defense for Bill Lee. I told you that at the top. I'm not going to sit here and defend Bill Lee and, and say that he's doing everything the right way or that he can do more. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and criticize him and say that he's not doing enough. I don't know that we can make those assumptions about any governor, about any federal leader until this thing is, is said and done. And we can reflect on it with hindsight and be able to look at this thing fairly and say that enough was done or enough was not done. But as of right now, I don't think the outbreak in Tennessee is not as is as bad as it appears on paper. That does not mean that this is not a serious issue. It is. And, and I told you earlier, I think that if you look at the cases in Knoxville, it's really starting to explode right now. And that's going to carry over into the surrounding counties. And it's going to reach Scott County. And we're sitting here with three cases right now. That's going to go up. There are going to be more people in Scott County who are going to test positive for this at some point. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's next week. At some point, somebody in Scott County is going to die from this. And then there are going to be multiple somebodies who die from this. And we've got to brace ourselves from that. And we've got to look at it with the proper perspective because you don't want anybody to panic. But you want people to understand the seriousness of the situation, the reality of the situation, and you want them to prepare. And right now... I don't know how many people in Scott County are really taking this seriously. I know a lot of people are, but I also know a lot of people aren't. And so as a community, for this thing to work, we have got to step up and we've got to take it seriously. And we had an editorial on this this week and kind of the nutshell version of that editorial was a lot of people are making sacrifices in Scott County right now, but if the entire population does not sacrifice, then what you risk is that the sacrifices that are being made by some of the population are for nothing. Because if there, are a certain, if there is a certain percentage of the population out there that doesn't take this seriously, that doesn't social distance, that doesn't do all the things, take all the precautions that we need to take, then this thing could still get bad in Scott County. And so every one of us has got a role to play. Every one of us has got a responsibility. And we've got to do our part to prevent it from getting bad here. So I don't want to throw those numbers out there and say that, you know what, the outbreak is not that bad in Tennessee. I don't think it's any worse in Tennessee than it is anywhere else in the South. But I think that it's starting for everybody, Tennessee, Kentucky, everybody, regardless of what the governors want to stand up and say or whatever, it's starting to get real. And so we've all got to hunker down and we've all got to do our part and we've got to try to mitigate this thing and protect those among us who are at a higher risk. All right. So with that said, I think that I have rambled long enough. And uh, as I told you at the top, this is the first time that we have done this, but it will not be the last. We will get a regular schedule worked out, whether we do this two times a week or three times a week or what the case may be. We'll get a schedule worked out and we'll start doing it on a regular basis. We'll bring on some guests so that you don't have to listen to me as much. Unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to me some, but I'd like for you to have some other folks to listen to who are, number one, easier to listen to than I am, and number two, that um, hopefully they know a little bit more about what they're talking about than I do. So uh, with all that said, we'll also get the production end down, and as well, we'll make the whole thing a whole lot better than it is right now. So with that said, thank you for joining us. This has been the Inside Scott podcast. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Have a great day, Scott County.